Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue, and I am joined with the one, the only, Roman the Beatboxer Johnson. What? Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Roman. Uh, it's great to be here. Great to uh, have you here on the Leadership Podcast. It's that time again. It's time for another exciting episode. It really here. is. Roman, I feel like we've just got to get it out of the way. Let's give a quick weather update, and then we can move on with the show. Uh, yeah, so Tulsa, we're, we, I mean, we're looking pretty good. I mean, it is, uh, at the time of this recording, it's a little its a little rainy, but it also, it's a nice spring rain. So it's like, it's got the good smell. It's got the smell from the flowers and the trees. And then it's like, it just it just feels, it feels okay. It, it's, it doesn't feel like dreary rain. It feels like springtime rain. That's beautiful. Like a refreshing rain. Yes. Like, the, like think of like a scented candle that is that it says like fresh rain on it. Think about the smell of that. And that's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs> What an amazing way to describe that. Yeah. Uh, any any uh, tornadoes we should be be leery of there in, in the Midwest? I hope not. <laughs> but I, I could tell a pretty awesome story of one time where, where there was a tornado. Uh, if there's like, if you have 30 seconds. Uh, please, please tell us. Okay, so I'm on, my, I'm on my way home. I'm driving home, and I look up, and, and and I'm driving into a wall of darkness. It looked like I was driving into Mordor. I know you're not you're not familiar with Lord of the Rings, but that's basically where Mount Doom is, and it looks terrible. And so I'm driving in, and there's a wall of clouds, and I'm like, I've got to get home because my dog is at home, and i got to save my dog. I don't know. I Julianne was not there. She was at somewhere else. She was at like working out at the gym. So they were like huddled up in like a, a, a bathroom. But I'm like, I gotta save my dog because I love my dog. So this is before I had a kid. Uh, so I'm driving home, speeding home, cause she's, cause I'm like, she's gonna be so scared without me. So I'm driving into this wall of darkness, into into the the, the depths of the of the Satan's belly. And so I get home, and uh, to make a long story short. Crap is hitting the fan. Uh, it is. There's trees falling down outside. There's a tornado that they're talking on the radio. It's like ten. It's like a, like, a, like a mile from my house, like rocking down the highway right near my house. So it's dark. There's hail. It's crazy. I so I grab my dog. I grab some blankets. I go into the shower, and it's me and my dog. I'm curled up. I grab grab some Cliff bars for sustenance, just in case the house caved in. I had some Cliff bars. I had some water bottles, and the radio's going. And it was me and my dog in the blankets, and it was terrifying. I thought I was going to die for a second, but then it turned out everything was okay. A tornado passed right by. Uh, God is good. Amen. That was an Im- uh, just an amazing story. I, that was incredible. <laughs> I had to keep it brief. I gotta, that was the, abri- the abridged version. I love that you were driving into Satan's belly. That was probably my, my favorite part of that story. It was amazing. Uh, well, nothing crazy like that going up here, going on up here in the Northeast. It was uh, 83 today, beautiful. Uh, we're actually recording this on Easter, the the night of Easter. Uh, hope Indeed. You, hope you all had a wonderful Easter service out there. Um, uh, 83, but uh, you know, Roman, there. I, I was telling you beforehand, there's still snow in in parking yeah. lots all over the all over the state. It's crazy. That's pretty it's, dumb. It's one of the most bizarre things. And like snow that's still going to be here for probably another month. Like so much snow had been piled up in these parking lots. Still here, 83 degrees. Absolutely crazy. 
Uh, that's your weather update for today, folks. Um, you know, we've got a great episode for you. This is episode 63, episode 63 mm. of the Leadership Podcast. Folks, I would strongly encourage you to go check out that archive. If you're if you're a new listener and maybe you're just subscribing, uh, you're sharing this on social media, you're leaving reviews, which we're so, so grateful for all of you that have been doing those things. Thank you very much. Uh, but, you know, maybe you haven't gone and checked out the archive. Folks, let me just let me just give you a quick rundown of some folks that have been on the show. Lee Cockrell has been on the show a couple times. Michael E. Gerber has been on the show. This is the guy that coined the phrase, go to work on your business, not just in your business. Whit George has been on the show a couple of times. Andy Chrisman, Kirby Anderson, Frank Beeler, Clay Clark, Carrie Newhoff has been on the show a couple times. Larry Hubotka, Daniel Cannell, Pace Hartfield, Pastor Willie George, Brad Lominick, Peter Haas, Brad Cooper. The list goes on and on and on, folks. And we would absolutely love for you to check that out. Jim Weidman was on the show not too long ago. Just have an amazing archive of people that have stopped by, shared some knowledge with us, given some practical application for you to go apply. So go check it out. Go check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, really wherever you listen to this show. You can find the archive there. And we've got some great interviews coming up for you. Super excited what we got going. And Roman, like I said, this is episode 63. Uh, and uh, Roman, why don't you tell us uh, who this podcast is brought to you by? I would love to tell you that, Jared. This podcast is brought to you by the one and only Creative Sheep, and that's creativesheep.org. And it's your your home for pre-made and custom media. So if you have a church, uh, maybe you work at a church, maybe you work in a creative department of a church, you're like, hey, I need a video like stat for this weekend. I need like a sweet opener, or I need like a countdown or something, uh, you know, and some, and some graphics, a series pack of some kind. You can head over to creativesheep.org, and we got you covered. Uh, jump on there, check it out. Uh, we've got a large uh, library of material that you can check out. Out, or if you want something custom, hit us up. We would love to work with you. Absolutely, folks. So swing over to creativesheep.org. And like I said, episode 63 here, we're joined with the one and only Earl McClellan. Earl McClellan is joining us. Earl is the lead and founding pastor of Shoreline City Church down in Dallas, Texas. Earl, uh, actually Dallas. his wife, Roman, was on the show. His wife, Onika, was on the show yep. talking about how big of an impact the women's ministry at their church has had on the church overall. And it's a phenomenal conversation. It was a really interesting story of how this came to be. Folks, if you're wanting to go check that out, that was episode 34 of the show. Um, and here we are, six, episode 63, almost 30 episodes later, her husband is joining us. Um, we have just a phenomenal conversation, really a lot about overcoming fear. Um, and that when you step out to do anything new, and I mean anything new, you get hit with a lot of negative thoughts um, and fears and doubts. Um, but Pastor Earl and Onika, when they launched out to start this church, they had been working at another church in Austin, Texas for about 12 years and stepped out to go do this church on their own. And Pastor Earl just shares some of the insecurities that he faced, some failures, some mistakes, um, and really just talks about overcoming the fear with God's help. And it's a really phenomenal conversation. And so, Roman, if it's all right by you, I say uh, let's get to our conversation with Earl McClellan. Well, Pastor Earl, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's an absolute honor to have you here today. 
my honor to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jared. Can't wait to connect and talk and see if we can all grow a little bit. Absolutely. Well, hey, you are finding yourself currently in the role of senior pastor. Uh, if you would, take us on the journey of how you got where you are today. Okay, would you like me to start from the womb? <laughs> you know, um, maybe let's skip ahead just a little bit. <laughs> okay, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, I, uh, I am now a senior pastor, uh, which is uh, a tremendous joy and honor. I feel like I I'm actually getting to live a dream. Uh, the dream was not to be a senior pastor. Honestly, my dream was to be a husband and a father. And I have an amazing wife uh, going on 20 years. So I'm officially old now. Uh, and uh, three three beautiful kids, a uh, 12-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 1-year-old. Uh, two boys and a little girl uh, at the end. Uh, but but I do have the opportunity and honor to, to be a pastor as well, and, uh, and what what a joy it is. We were we, we met in college, my wife and I. Uh, I'm originally from Rhode Island, but we met in college uh, in Oklahoma. Actually, my wife being from California, me being from Rhode Island, met in the middle, and then from there, uh, we we lived in Oklahoma for a few years, and then we moved down to Austin, Texas, and we were part of a great church down there. Uh, actually called Shoreline uh, Church. They're in, uh, they're in Austin with Pastors Rob and Laura Koch, uh, two individuals that we love and are incredibly grateful for for a number of reasons. One is that we still consider them our pastors and not just pastors, but really family. Uh, but then also they, they showed us what, what a healthy church can look like and really exposed us to a lot of uh, life and ministry and, and people that we've continued to emulate now. That is really that's really shaped uh, our philosophy uh, of ministry. Wow, that's incredible. Now I, I am curious. You're married and have have three kids. Do you drive a minivan? <laughs> Just so you know, and all due respect to everyone out there who drives a minivan, but I refuse to turn in my man card. <laughs> I drive a large SUV. Okay, it is as big as it could possibly be. And there have been times, though, there have been times where we needed our car to get worked on and we had to drive a minivan. And I want to be honest, I can see why people would drive that. There are <laughs> lo- there's lots of room. There's lots of room. But I am not going that direction. I will not walk around in misery all the days of my life. <laughs> maybe, maybe God's working on your heart in that area to eventually get Perhaps. you to a minivan. <laughs> Perhaps. I'm willing I'm willing to do it. We foolishly we foolishly took a trip from Gulf Shores, Alabama and drove from there back uh, to Texas. It was a twelve hour drive oh, because wow. our daughter at the time was only, oh my goodness, not even six months old, maybe three months old. And it was an absolutely horrific experience. I will never do it again, but we drove in a minivan and I'm glad we I'm glad we had one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and still speaking of your family, your lovely wife, Onika, actually came on the show uh, uh, several episodes ago, episode 34, and she was talking about uh, the tremendous impact that your church's women's ministry has had on the growth of your church. Yes. And it was an incredible yeah. conversation. Yeah, my wife is a lot smarter than me. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Incredibly gifted. And uh, the, the secret sauce of my life and our church 
Uh, but what Sisterhood has done for our church has really, and Onika would use these words too, it's really undergirded the vision uh, of the house uh, from the very beginning. Uh, she uh, and, and some ladies got together and, and just began to place value on, on the women in our community. And it has really blossomed into something special. As I was talking about before, when we were in Austin, uh, we had the chance to be exposed to some really life-giving ministry. Primarily, uh, one of the biggest ministries that has had a mark on our lives is, uh, is Hillsong Church, Brian and Bobby Houston, uh, and, and that whole that whole family. And, uh, and to see how they love, to see how they serve, to see how they lead, uh, to see the, the culture and the heartbeat of that house has really, really marked us in significant ways. And obviously, sisterhood uh, with Bobby Houston has uh, has had a profound impact on my wife. Uh, so when we first started the church, man, we, we were, gosh, we left Austin in two, 2011. Uh, we, we began our church in 2012. Uh, but we left in uh, 2011, began our Bible study phase. Uh, pretty soon after that, Onika began to meet with the women and, uh, and remind them uh, that there's tremendous worth and value. And the beautiful thing is, and I, I want to take credit for this, this is just a, a point of, uh, of importance, is that I, I had to make sure I'm releasing, that we're all in agreement with this, that the women and the men weren't in competition with each other. Uh, we were here uh, to compliment, to serve, to, to encourage, to lift, to help one another become all that God has called us to be. And, and in that... Uh, unified mindset, that type of heart, we're all moving forward together. It really has produced some synergy uh, in our house uh, that I think has really been special and beautiful to watch. That's incredible. That's amazing. And and you guys are, what, five or six years old now? Yeah, yeah, we're five years old as a church. Uh, we launched uh, in January of 2012. Uh, so we just celebrated our, our five-year anniversary a little bit earlier uh, this year. Uh, it was a great, great time um, to think God has done this much in such a short period of time. is absolutely overwhelming and, and mind-boggling. Uh, when we had our very first meeting, there were 17 of us uh, sitting in a, in a, a living room uh, here in East Dallas, and it was a, a great meeting, and Onique and I felt like it was, there were 17,000 people there. It wow. was uh, so... Uh, invigorating, uh, very humbling, uh, and exciting all at the same time. Uh, so we just started loving on people and uh, connecting with folks, and uh, and God has, has graciously breathed on uh, on what what we really know was in His heart to do in this community, which is is super cool. And I talked to Onika briefly about this uh, in our conversation, but just how. Anytime you get around the McClellans, you feel the love. Like, you guys just exude this love, and you feel encouraged when you get around you. Um, I've not had a ton of opportunities, but I have had a few, and it, you guys are just an amazing couple. And, and would it be accurate to describe your wife as a fireball? Uh, I think I think fireball is fully appropriate, and, and those, those are kind things to say about us, you know, being loving and encouraging. Um, 
our friends have said that to us throughout the years. And if you're going to be known for something, I'm glad we get to be known uh, for, for love and encouragement because I've done a lot of foolish things in my life. And I'm glad those labels haven't, haven't stuck with me as well as, as love and encouragement. But my wife, man, full of vision, full of strength, full of passion. And for, for God uh, to link Onika and I up together uh, it is honestly the joy of, of my life. I, I, I'm being made better uh, because she's in my life. She has helped me uh, see blind spots, has been an encouragement to me. Uh, I'll tell you this, though. When we first planted the church, uh, I had some my own insecurities that I was processing through. And, uh, and I, I wasn't able to verbalize these insecurities, uh, but they were, they were bubbling up in some really, I would say, sad and disappointing ways now that, now that I look back on it. My wife at times would, would give me um, just her opinion or advice or something, and, and we've always had a good marriage. Uh, but she would share some, her opinions and advice at the beginning stages of us having the church and say, hey, why don't you call so-and-so? Why don't you ask so-and-so what they think? And when she was saying those things, I actually was hearing that she didn't believe that I had what it would take to lead this church. That's what I was hearing. Now, that's mm. not what she was saying at all. What she was saying is, um, I love you. I got your back. I I'm with you. I'm for you. Uh, hey, some other people have done this. They've gone ahead of us. Why don't you get their opinions and thoughts, which, of course, I would love to do. But because of my own insecurities, uh, my own fears... Uh, here I am uh, with my hearing words from my best friend, and I, I'm misinterpreting these words. Uh, so one of the things that has helped me tremendously is really to deal with my own demons, uh, to deal with my own, the own, my own lies, um, my own distortions of the truth uh, that really can have a negative impact on how you move forward and, and those relationships that you hold uh, near and dear. Uh, thankfully, you know, she had lots of grace and, and thankfully, uh, we, we had a talk one, one evening, a little bit of pillow talk and, uh, and hopefully I'm not getting too real here. Uh, but, but I, I remember crying and just saying, Onika, I, I, I'm hearing this when you say that. And I know that's not what you mean. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm even sad. This is in me. And, and she was incredibly encouraging in that moment, incredibly loving, um, incredibly supportive. Uh, but, but it helped me keep on, um, I'm moving forward. Wow. That's amazing. That, that was totally unscripted right there. And I, I, I love that. And I want to jump in on that a little bit further. Um, I, I've got to be honest, I've, I've dealt with the same thing. Now I've never planted my own church. But um, I've in in my leadership, my wife has done that where I'm struggling with something and she'll say, why don't you go talk to this person? And I felt the exact same way that what I heard was she didn't have the confidence in me to handle mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. I got to be mm -hmm. honest with you, Earl. It's super encouraging to know that I'm not the only one that has done that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, man, that's. I've got some more. I've got some more weaknesses I can share with you too. <laughs> I, I promise you, I'm far from having it all together, and I haven't met a leader yet who does. Uh, even those that we continue to look up to and we we appreciate and we we want to emulate. Um, it goes back to like when the Apostle Paul is writing in the Book of Corinthians. 
And he's talking about, you know, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. And three times I pleaded, you know, take this away. But, but Jesus replied, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, so anyone that I think we look at and we see God's hand of grace and power on them, th- there is some weakness somewhere. That there's something in their lives uh, that is pushing them to be dependent on God, pushing them mm. uh, to, to rely on Him, because you and I cannot become who He has called us to be, uh, separated from His grace and His power. Uh, he, he actually set it up that way. He, he, he put a vision in front of us that, that's bigger than us, that, that would be too much for us to do in our own strength. Uh, so the insecurities, uh, the fears, uh, they can be blessings. Now, of course, they can hinder you, right? They, they, can, they can cripple you. They can paralyze you and you don't move forward. Uh, so, that, so that's why you got to take what, what, what Paul was writing there uh, and say, I'm going to boast all the more in these things so that Christ's power can rest on me. Not so that I stay focused on my shortcomings and focused on my weaknesses or focused on my fears. Uh, it's all so that Christ's power can rest on me. God, I don't have enough in and of myself to do this, uh, but you are more than enough. You really are all sufficient, and, uh, and, and it helps propel us forward. And we're a little bit like Jacob, you know, walking through life with a limp, uh, but we're walking. Uh, but that limp came from us being touched uh, by the hand of God. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, you know, I, I have to jump back to the conversation we were having about your wife. Your wife, it's, in addition to being a fireball, I'd say she's a little crazy, like in, the good kind of crazy, not like crazy, crazy. <laughs> and, and the reason why I say that is I stumbled across a, a video of a volunteer banquet that you guys did where you and your wife actually had a lip sync <laughs> battle. And she comes out swinging, lip syncing to All I Do Is Win by DJ Khaled. Yes, yes. Okay. So we had our volunteer banquet, and this was an epic lip sync battle, okay? <laughs> and when she said all I do was, I mean, the place goes crazy. I mean, everybody's hands literally go up and they stay there, okay? So we are, the, the place has gone wild. And I've got to get up after her. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Now, I personally think I won because I actually knew the words to my song. And she didn't know the words um, because who knows the words to that to that hip hop song. Uh, but it was it was a great, great night and uh, lots of Instagram posts on that one for yeah. sure. And, uh, and it was a, it was a night. For all of us to to connect with our with our leaders in a really really special way, it looked like <laughs> but an, she is she is crazy. It looked like an incredible night, and at that you're in a tux, <laughs> and your wife is in this black, I, I what appeared to be like a velvet dress or something like that. Yeah, just dressed to <laughs> yeah. the hilt, and comes out with all I do is win. It was amazing. Um, it was. <laughs> So, man, I already I appreciate you just jumping right in and being so open and 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 transparent and vulnerable with us. Like this is this is great stuff for us to be able to learn and hopefully uh, be able to get better through this. And so, you know, one thing I came across that that you posted that that really stood out to me is is actually something that your mom told you uh, when you were young, and and it seems as though this has really shaped your life. 
and and I may slaughter this, so please correct me if I'm wrong in how this is put, but she said something to the effect of don't let anyone else build your world for you because they will always build it way too small. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're you're right in the ballpark, so I, I don't feel a need to correct that at all. She uh, She actually told me, and this is recently, that she got this from a man by the name of Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, who has uh, since uh, gone on to heaven, uh, but would really be like the father of the men's movement. Um, he had a ministry years ago um, uh, in a book primarily called Maximize Manhood, and uh, the Christian Men's Network is what I think his ministry was called. And I, From the time I was young, uh, my dad wasn't around when I was growing up, um, so I was raised uh, primarily by my mother. And uh, men in the church would pick me up when I was 12, 13 years old uh, for the men's meeting that we would have at church the third Saturday of every month. And I would sit and watch this uh, video uh, of Edwin Lewis Cole. So, you know, there was multi-site even 20 years ago, um, people doing things on Mm. video years ago and and people growing uh, in that way. Uh, So I I, I sat there, would, would listen, would learn. And, um, but my mom, I remember my mom saying this to me, but she stole it from, from Edwin Lewis Cole. And, and it has really marked me a lot. Um, I don't tend to be an outwardly, um, I I wouldn't be known, I don't think from my friends as being an arrogant person. Um, at least they haven't told me that. I'm sure I've got some blind spots. Um, but, but with, with, with that type of mindset, it could lead, it could lead to, Hey, don't let anybody else build your world. And I'm kind of kind of stop through life and I, I'm kind of running things and I'm making my own way. Uh, but, but it didn't do that in me really. Uh, I think I actually have a tendency. Uh, I played basketball in college. Uh, so I have a tendency, uh, to pass the ball when I should shoot. Uh, I, I was a point guard. Uh, so, uh, I like to distribute the ball. I wasn't, I wasn't a scoring point guard. I was a, I was a passing lead the team, keep things going type of a point guard, uh, be the coach on the floor type of a point guard. So I can tend to pass the ball, uh, rather than be a ball hog. And I think what my, my mom said that to me at a young age, it actually just helped position me correctly to not pass my destiny and my call onto other people too much. I think I could have leaned that direction and I would have trusted other people to tell me where I was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do. And though I, I can, I can follow directions and, you know, I was on staff in Austin for almost 12 years and executive pastor there and a right hand person and a second chair person to to my pastor and um, both my wife and I had tremendous influence there. So I, I know how to follow directions. I know how to, how to hold somebody else's arms up. I know how to carry someone else's vision. Uh, again, it was something I had to do uh, really most of my life being, being a point guard. Um, I could tend uh, to allow someone else to begin to shape uh, what amount of influence, what amount of strength, what amount, what amount of uh, tenacity and fire I should have. Uh, so with, uh, with my mom telling me that, it just, I think, helped write my heart and my mind to not lean the wrong direction. 
And I'm, I'm so, so grateful she did that in me. No doubt. Um, you know, one thing, being a pastor, I'm sure you've heard, I mean, people come in for counseling, they're wanting advice, needing help. Um, would you say it's too often you see folks that have passed the ball, that they've handed their destiny to someone else? Yeah, um, I think it can be, sometimes it can be a person, for sure. Sometimes it can be, um, I think though more, more, more usually ends up being what someone has said or a fear that has been planted. I, I rarely, rarely is it an actual like human being that's actually coming and controlling a person's life per se, but it can tend to be a person of authority or position in your life who has said X, Y, and Z about you, whatever it might be. You're never going to, or you can't. And since they have this authority, uh, you've taken those words and, you know, you've built a whole kingdom around a lie and, and, and you tend to, to operate in a, in this kingdom, or maybe we should call it a playpen. Uh, that's a lot smaller than you're supposed to be in. Uh, and it's not that, you know, size and influence, you know, determines our worth and value. It doesn't. The cross does that. So our worth and value does not go up and down based on our Instagram followers or who knows our name, who doesn't know our name. That our worth and value has been established and cannot be changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But what we tend to do is allow other things and other people to trump uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us. So a person will say, here's your playpen, here's your fence here's the kingdom that I think you can work in. And we go, okay, I'll take that because you said it. So there can be times and, you know, you work on this. Uh, we, we try to help people through this, through preaching and obviously through, through connect groups and, uh, even people getting the opportunity to serve and, um, and all, all, all a whole a host of ways to, to kind of break down those walls, you know, these Jericho walls that we have set up around ourselves where God is like, no, I actually am calling those walls to come down because your territory is supposed to be larger, more expansive, not for your glory, for mine. Uh, but, but I, but I need, I need those walls broken down. So, so yeah, I, I do feel like we, we've had to help people work through those things. And I'm just working, helping people work through the things that I've had to work through myself. Yeah. And something you said just a little bit ago, you talked about dealing with your own demons. And I heard uh, Will Smith said, he said this years ago that uh, for him, one of the way that he, he deals with his demons is that he wakes up super early um, and goes for like a three or five mile run or something like that, just to, just to show who's in control. Now, I think the context is a little different in that I don't know, I don't know where, where Will's spiritual walk is, but um, mm-hmm. I think some of the concepts are, are, are similar. And so for you, what have been some things that you've done? Because really kind of the, the focus of this conversation is overcoming fear and, and mm. dealing with these demons. And especially in the context of, like you're saying, getting outside of that playpen, getting outside of that kingdom that you've been locked in, whether through your own thoughts or through what somebody else has said about you or whatever the case may be, but overcoming that. And you've taken that step that I believe a lot of people want to take. 
I mean, Forbes does all this research and it's something like two out of three people want to start their own business, want to start their own organization, want to be uh, the, the lead person, but so few actually take the step to do it, which is something you've done. And, and, mm. and I'm sure that through that process, you talked about one of those insecurities just a moment ago, that this is where, I mean, you're leading at a whole new capacity in a whole new way to where the spotlight is totally on you. And I can only imagine that it just pushes all of our insecurities to the surface that other people may not even see, but that we see ourselves. And so for you, Earl, what have been some of the things that you've done to overcome these demons, to, to power through, to push past uh, that, that playpen and not get stuck in this kingdom that someone else has built for you? Yeah. Uh, well, first, I'm not going on a three to five mile run early in the morning. <laughs> I, I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't like running. It's terrible. It's incredibly monotonous. Uh, I do like going to the gym and I still love playing sports uh, and I can still dunk, but I, uh, I'm not going on a run. Let me just tell you that right now. I love that you just um, plug that in there that you can, if you don't yes. mind me asking, how old are you now? Man, now I'm 41 years old. 41, I am 41. Yes, yes. Not like Vince Carter, though. He's like 87 <laughs> years old and still in the NBA and doing 360s. But uh, but I, I, I could still I could still get it in there. That's awesome. I um, uh, for me, uh, there's a scripture in Revelation chapter five, um, and there are these 24 elders. They're around the throne, um, and they have on these crowns. And uh, it says these 24 elders, uh, all who are around the throne of God, and they take off uh, their crowns, they lay them down, they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, uh, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you have created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. Uh, so for me, a really, really practical thing that I have done and continue to do is when people give me pats on the back and people are kind and complimentary, um, I will take some time out before I go to bed and get down on my knees and literally um, take both of my hands, put them on the top of my head as if there were some crowns on there. And I will take those crowns off and I will say, you are worthy, my Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. Uh, because people are kind, and I'm so thankful that I, I, you know, I appreciate the encouragement. I appreciate the pats on the back. It's better than you know, people stabbing you in the back, for sure. Uh, it, I, you know, I appreciate um, you know, individuals you know, believing in, in me and in my family and in this, in this church that God has called us to lead. All of those things are positives. And there was a day a long time ago where I would go, oh, no, 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 it's not me. It's all him and point up and, you know, make a conversation really, really awkward. Uh, but, but what I do now is I'll say thank you. You know, I appreciate that. You know, you're kind. Uh, but I still need to make sure I keep reminding my heart who really is in control mm. and who really is the one that this thing is all about. And it has never been about me. There will be a day I will be put in a casket and I will go on the glory. Uh, but Jesus Christ will go on forever and ever and ever. He's from everlasting to everlasting, the Alpha and the Omega. 
Uh, so I don't need to build any kingdom around my name. I don't need to build any fame that's pointed towards me. Uh, my ultimate joy and goal in life is to be a reflection of his glory and his life to this world. Uh, so a practical thing for, for me is, is to, again, keep fighting for humility, to keep walking in that place, to keep laying uh, my heart and my life down. Uh, before my glorious Savior, and then uh, allowing Him to do with me what He wants to do with me. And my problem is not is not that um, I don't dream big. I dream big. And my problem is not that I don't have any gifts whatsoever. By God's grace, He's given me some gifts. My problem is as He opens doors and as He uh, increases the platform, for me not to shy away from it, because I'm concerned about someone else misinterpreting my motives. So I, I kind of fall on the, it's a pride side for sure, but it's the acceptable pride. It's the, the false humility pride of, oh no, not me. I don't need that. Don't, don't use me in that way, Lord. Which is utterly foolish because I'm still making it about me when I shouldn't be making it about me. Mm. For instance, this opportunity here to, to connect with all these amazing leaders who are listening to this podcast, this is a door that God opened up for me. Again, it has nothing to do with my worth and value. I'm thankful I get the chance to do it. I'm not a better man as a result of doing this podcast, but it's, it's an open door for God to use my life for his glory. I need to walk through that door with confidence. I need to walk through this door with humility. I need to walk through this door with fire and passion. And there was a day that I wouldn't do it. There would be a day that I would wrestle with walking through this door because I didn't want someone to think that I thought I was somebody. How twisted is that? How much wasted energy am I putting into myself when my focus really needs to be uh, my savior. So that's a long answer uh, to a short question, but um, but those are some of the things that come to my mind. Man, if I could talk an emoji right now, I'd be throwing those little fire emojis up right now. That's that's some great <laughs> stuff. Um, you also, you know, you posted a picture on Instagram not too long ago. It's this. It appeared as though you were in like a tunnel or some kind of overpass or something. It was a white wall, and in gigantic block letters, it just said, "Fear is a liar." Period. Um, and mm. the post that you wrote with that, like just reading it, like it got me fired up just looking at it. And through this journey that you and Onika have been on for the past, not just five years, I mean, this has been something that's been culminating your entire life, but, mm -hmm. but really, really just these past five years and taking this huge step of faith to step out and do that thing that so many people want to do and starting your own organization, um, Fear, I'm sure, just has to knock at the door regularly. And yeah, how do you, I, I feel like I'm kind of asking the same question, but at the same time, like, how are you pushing through? Like, why, why for you, I guess, did that wall mean something? Because that kind of thing doesn't speak to everybody. Um, and I'm just yeah, curious yeah. why that really stood out to you. Yeah, I, I, yeah that, that's, that's great. Um, I wasn't in a tunnel. I think I, re, I reposted it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wish I had this awesome story. Like I actually tagged it myself. I went and I, I, you know, I had some spray paint and I just, you know, had 1984 electric boogaloo, you know, rap music playing. And I just spray painted that. Uh, but, but, 
uh, I, I saw a friend posted and uh, and I, I stole I stole his post and it spoke to me uh, just because it's true. Fear is a liar. And now you know I'm old now. I recognize that probably most of the people listening to this, you know, uh, I could be I definitely be probably their older brother. Uh, maybe some I could almost be their dad. Um, but even at the age I'm at right now, I, uh, I still have to fight with fear and it's just a different level. It's a different, um, uh, wears a different jacket, maybe says different words, but regardless, it's, it's fear. For, for instance, uh, we just launched our, our first campus. Uh, so now we're, you know, we're a multi-site, we're a multi-site church now. And uh, it's something that was in our heart. Uh, we feel like it's a critical piece for us to raise up leaders and to make it on earth as it is in heaven and, um, uh, and make disciples. So we just launched our, our, first, our first campus. Uh, our first campus happens to be in the beautiful city of Antigua, Guatemala. Uh, which is a direct flight here uh, to Guatemala City from from, from Dallas. Uh, just about two and a half hour, three hour flight. Uh, we have some wonderful campus pastors down there, some assistant campus pastors, and um, our, our model is a is a one house, many rooms model. Uh, so so it's it's been wonderful to to, to launch that to launch that campus. But I've never done that before. I've never been a lead pastor before. I've never had this many people that I was, that, like the buck stopped with me. I've never done this. Now, I, I saw it in my head and my heart, but seeing it in your head and your heart is one thing, and that's an important piece, vision, of course, vital, important, essential. But I've actually never done it before. So I've got to deal with, my own fears that are coming at me about, whoa, you're, you're doing multi-site. What does that mean? And do you have the leadership? And do you have the finances? And do you have the, the bandwidth? And do you, have, you got all these different things. It's really the same questions that I was asking five years ago or six years ago when we're going to plant this church now. Uh, but now it's just, they look a little bit different. Uh, it, maybe a little bit more is at stake. Uh, but it's still fear. That will try to come in. So, so you, you you do have to make a decision uh, to rely on God's grace and not on your own strength. You do have to make a decision uh, to believe what God has said rather than what your feelings are saying. Uh, you do have to um, trust God to to keep pushing you forward beyond what you think you can do in your own strength and power. And we say this in our church pretty regularly, uh, going back to the disciples with Jesus and Peter walking on the water. We say we'd rather be a water walking, sometimes sinking disciple rather than a, a disciple that never gets out of the boat. Mm. So we're going to walk. Man. We're going to go. We're going to take the step. Because we just rather, we just rather live in the miraculous than in the mundane. Wow. That's incredible. So, you know, I, I can only imagine that in starting something like this, like you said, there's all kinds of thoughts and fears that come your way. 
and that one of the ways, um, one of the ways, of course, in addition to prayer and seeking God and having a great group of people around you to help rally, people to help hold your arms up, um, one of the things I, I believe in doing this is that sometimes just to punch peer, fear in the face is to mm. is like you said to just step out of the boat to take a step to go do something to push through uh, what it is that that's out there. I mean, after all, the Bible says after you've done everything to stand, stand, mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. just keep doing. And and mm-hmm. so you know, I kind of want to shift just a little bit here in that. In the early days, I'm sure that some of the fear that went through your head had to have been like, is the church going to grow? Are we going to have the finances? Now that we're hiring mm-hmm. staff, are we going to be able to keep them because now I'm responsible for their salary? And, and mm-hmm. different things like this rolling around in your head. Um, what are some really practical things? I know this is a little bit of a shift, but what are some really practical things that you guys did in Dallas and even now in Guatemala to get out there and kind of power through because, you know, in the business context, a lot of people focus a lot on building a great product and that's great. But you'll also hear that if you can't sell, it doesn't matter. If you don't get out there and make people aware that this is available, that it's, it doesn't matter. It's not going to do what you're hoping it's going to do. And so in your context down in Dallas and now in Guatemala, what are maybe one, two, three things, if you've got it, what are some things that you guys did where you stepped out and you thought, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to work, uh, but we're going to put our hand to something. We're going to, we're going to get out here. We're going to step out of the boat to go make something happen. What did that look like in your context? Yeah, my, my brain is, is going to a, a couple of different things. Uh, the first one, first place my brain goes is, um, is wisdom, um, especially on the financial piece. Um, I, I don't consider myself a, a business owner. You know, I'm a pastor, uh, but I do recognize that there can be some overlap um, because, you know, we do have staff and we do now have uh, a building that sits on seven acres and in uh, East Dallas. And we do have uh, you know, a facility that we're renting down in, in Guatemala and staff down there uh, that we're funding as well. And, um, and organizations that we're supporting. And um, I, I think, you know, we're able to be a, a strength to them. So one of the things that comes into my mind is, um, is, is our budgeting process is one where we, we really try to lead with wisdom. Now, when you first start out, we were actually wrote out a, a business plan. We call it a vision document. Mm. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's a lot smarter than me. Uh, graduate, uh, went to undergrad at Stanford graduate school, uh, Harvard, got his MBA from Harvard. Uh, he was in between, uh, jobs, um, in between consulting jobs. I went right before we were going to plant the church. So I would sit with him, uh, every Friday morning, uh, go over to his house. And he just helped me map out uh, what do we see, what, what's, what's in our hearts. And I, so I, I wrote out a whole vision document. And then he began to help me, even on some of the financial side of things. What do we need this first year, phase one? What do we need phase two? What do we need phase three? Um, so just even having something on paper um, what helped me. And it was a wise step. And then once uh, we had it on paper, to, to, to begin to begin to really stick to it, you know, tithing has always been an important piece for us. Uh, so the first 10% of, of our income as, as a church family. And now we're, 
we're above uh, 10% that we give away. Uh, but in the beginning, we, we began to tithe right, right from the, the, the very start. Uh, but then that, that next year, after we had a year under our belt, uh, you know, we budget less than the previous year's income. We don't, we don't, we don't project forward. Say, for instance, you bring in a hundred thousand dollars year one. You say, oh, okay, we're probably going to grow by ten percent. Let's budget, you know, a hundred ten thousand dollars. We don't do that. We actually uh, budget ninety to ninety-five percent of the previous year's income. Mm. Uh, so we go down uh, in in our budget, uh, but it creates margin, and that's still with us, us tithing and still with us saving uh, as well. Uh, and both of those things have helped create some margin and some cushion for us uh, so that um, we don't have to live uh, with the stress of finances. Now, of course, we're still taking steps of faith. We're still moving forward. Uh, but when it comes to the financial side of things now for us, we're going to move forward with wisdom because this is people money that individuals gave uh, to, to push the vision forward, to make it on earth as it is in heaven. So we want to be great, great stewards uh, of those resources. So that's a really, really practical one. Now, obviously, when you first got started, man, you know, you don't really have any money. You're looking for investors. You're looking for people to back you. You're looking for whether you're going to go with any church plant organization or you're looking for, you're going to get this business off the ground and you need to go to a bank, you know, for a loan. You know, there is an element of holy poop emoji right now. You want to talk about emojis. Uh, you, you've got that. Um, I don't know if you can say that on the podcast, but I just did. Um, you've got, you got like, Oh man, we're really about to do this. Um, so I had some great people around me, uh, that were, that were more skilled. I'm great with the vision. I'm great with what I want to see happen. Uh, so I needed some other people around me that could be great at the execution of that vision. And even on the financial side of things, I did not have to carry that ball in the beginning. And I think it was a game changer for our church. Uh, so what I would say with any organization at the beginning, everybody is doing everything and that's great and wonderful. Um, but those areas where you are not proficient at all, you know, you want to do all you can. Uh, to recruit, to bring somebody in uh, that can be better than you in a particular area. Uh, even though you might be the leader, let's not be intimidated by those who are more gifted and talented in other areas. Um, it actually makes us better, makes the whole vision better, makes the organization better. Uh, obviously, it takes a certain amount of humility you know, for that. Uh, but if you're really, really about doing what's in your heart to do, then you have to be willing to bring people around you uh, that will help uh, bring that vision to pass. You know, as a young leader, did you ever struggle with that idea? That Because I, I know for me personally, for a long time, that was something I had to fight through was, well, I'm the, I'm the guy. Like, I, it's got to be my idea. Um, I, I've got to be the one to own this. I've got to be the one to touch this. I've got to be the one with the final say. I've got to, I've got to. But what you're saying is, is look for those opportunities to, to, to give away leadership. Um, when you were younger and earlier on in your journey, was that anything that you struggled with? Or have you kind of always been, like you said, you kind of passed the ball naturally anyways. Um, yeah. has this been at all a struggle for you or is this something that comes a little more naturally to you? Yeah, I would probably say it comes a little more naturally uh, to me. But again, you're trying to remember what your what your end goal is. And um, 
you know, for me, my end goal is not a big church, whatever big means. You know, I, I think we got it mixed up anyway what a big church is because we're kind of comparing ourselves to other churches sure. rather than to the millions of people who are lost. Uh, so I don't know if any of our churches are really big necessarily. Um, so, but that's not my goal. Um, for, for me and for every follower of Christ, and I'm sure there's some people listening now who, who aren't followers of Christ, but, but uh, you know, indulge me anyway. For, for those of us who are followers of Christ, we've been called to make disciples of all nations. That's what we've been called to. Uh, so whatever sphere you might find yourself in, whether that's in the marketplace or in ministry, uh, really at the end of the day, there's, there's a vision that you're going towards. And I'll, I'll take it away from even just making disciples. Say your goal is to have a fantastic pizza franchise or some new app that's going to transform the way people interact with each other or whatever it might be. The vision, if you're passionate about where you're going and what you're supposed to do, then you want to do everything in your power to get everyone around you that can help you get that, make that vision come to life. And, and, and being the leader uh, doesn't mean you have to be the best at everything. It does mean you need to know the direction. It does mean you need to have a strong backbone. It does mean you need to have some integrity. It doesn't mean you need to set the example. It doesn't mean you need to set the culture. It means all of those things. But it doesn't mean, as a matter of fact, if it's a significant enough vision, it definitely doesn't mean you can do everything because it ought to be wider and bigger than you. Mark Zuckerberg, you can go down the line with Steve Jobs. We can look at, uh, whatever, whatever pastors we may, um, or, or entrepreneurs we may admire, none of the, I, I don't know of one that's all by themselves right now. I know they all have a team and they all have people around them uh, because we recognize it's necessary. Jesus Christ himself got a team. Now they were not more gifted than him, obviously with him being God. But but the truth of the matter is, Christianity did not spread around the world until Jesus left. That's when it actually grew. Uh, that speaks to his leadership. That speaks to his capacity. Speaks to his strength. But when he left, it grew. While he was here, it stayed rather confined and rather small. Um, so so for all of us, I just think, you know, the team matters and people around us really matter. And I know we're getting into some nuts and bolts here, but I, but I love this stuff as well. The inspirational is great. Um, the, you know, revving up our hearts is, is wonderful. It's necessary. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to cross T's, you got to dot I's, you got to love people, you got to work hard, you got to stay late, you got to get up early, you got to cry some, you got to you got to have some dirt underneath your fingernails, uh, you got to you got to keep grinding this thing out, putting one foot in front of the other, and and then before you know it, you look up and you're you're further down the road than you ever thought possible. Man, that's some great stuff. Well, just kind of. Wrapping up here, uh, Earl, if you could give one piece of advice to the, to the young leaders out there that are listening right now in 60 to 120 seconds, what closing thoughts or advice do you have for us? Oh, man. Okay. 60 to 120 seconds, huh? <laughs> time me. Time me. Let, me. let me see if this could work. No, I, I, honestly, um, 
when I think about young leaders, I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that young leaders can learn really quickly to get their eyes off of themselves. It is, um, and I recognize some people who are a lot older than me look at me still as a young leader. But, but those who, you know, your, 20, your teenage, your 20s, you know, 30s, you're looking at your life, it, it can be so wrapped up in you and my gifts and my talents and my abilities and my skills and my call. And, and, and all of that is, is, is a part of it, but it's not the biggest part of it. I do believe we've all been put on this earth for a reason. I do believe that every single one of us are actually designed by God to be here in this particular generation. We could have been born at any time, but he, he decided now was the time for us. So for, for these young leaders and for myself and for all of us to discover why we are here, we don't keep looking in the mirror necessarily to find that. We look to our creator to find that. And if we can get our eyes off of ourselves and focus our attention more on him, I think we discover more of who we are and what we're called to do and who we are called to be. But so much time can be wasted uh, with us focused in on things that at the end of the day might not really matter all that much. When you find some leaders that are passionate about not their name being exalted, but the vision moving forward and, and, and something bigger than them, those are the individuals I think begin to make some significant impacts in their generation. So get your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes back on your creator. I think our lives make the most sense when Christ is first in our lives. Wow. That's some great stuff. Uh, Earl, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about that? Uh, call my agent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith and I have the same agent. Uh, so just, just contact. No, man. Uh, gosh, I mean, you can email me, of course, at any point in time. Um, my email address right now is earl at shorelinedallas.com. And um, you can also, obviously I'm on Instagram, a uh, little bit on Twitter, barely on Facebook. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyone is, is free to, to send me an email at any time. If I could be a support and a strength to someone, uh, I'd love to do it. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time. My honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of the Leadership Podcast. Hey, we would love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question, you can find us online at creative underscore sheep. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And as always, thanks so much for subscribing to this podcast. Uh, and hey, leaving us a review maybe or sharing it on your social media, that helps us out greatly and we truly appreciate it. Folks, like Roman said, thanks for listening. And we hope that you take something from today's episode. Because again, we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire you to get better. It's not just about inspiration. It's about putting it into action. So hopefully you take an action step on one or two things that you learned today so that you as a leader can get better. See y'all next week. Farewell. Farewell.